Really, Chris? <laughs> How long have we been in the studio? We're do- what? We're starting video? Huh? What's going on? It was just a comment to kind of get you off guard. Oh, so. good. <laughs> the cameras that are pointed at yeah, you. Like, you? What video? When, when, when did we start that? Wow. Are we yeah. talking movies? Yeah. What is that? What are we, we do? Recording this? Oh, I don't know. I was just talking <laughs> I into this. Turn myself down. Oh, I'm five. Okay, cool. Yeah. Five. Oh, you don't have to. You don't have to wear the headphones. You don't want to. You yeah. can. I like. I'm used to it. Okay. I just. Right. I just. No, it's, it's up to you, you guys are loud in my ears right now, and this well, is not. We're loud out of. Out this of is the, not connected uh, to. to me. Yeah. Oh well. So. It's not. This what is, is uh, it? This one. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, episode four forty three, okay. having oh, well. a, a little bit of technical difficulties, no, but hey, good. we'll get through it. We're all good. Um, not really. I I, technical <laughs> difficulties is a strong term. I'm sorry. I didn't know we just started yet. <laughs> I'm making sure I have the right uh, episode number. Uh, yeah, 443. And, uh, you know, we had a... It, it's always weird, like, when we do a week off. I swear to God, it feels like we've been off for, like, two months. It's like this weird kind of, like, uh, oh, God, we haven't been in here in, like, months. No, it's been seven days. That's it. Uh, it was a, yeah, we were here yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, that's that's all that we. I was missed. here yesterday doing Sam Tripoli's podcast. Oh, so you've been Ohio. here, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> and we just uh, yelled about conspiracies at each other. Yeah, <laughs> for how long? Ninety no, minutes. Ninety <laughs> minutes of yelling. Yeah, it was ninety minutes of yelling. Pretty safe to say. Uh, it's very productive. It was very. I felt. I felt <laughs> good. I felt cleansed afterwards. It was very cathartic. He's a hardcore Republican, right? No, he's a no, he, joke. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> yeah, just a Trump loving. That's what we fool. do. Big yep. Trump, big Trumpers. More, more guns. Give everybody guns. Mm-hmm. I every- have one right now. Good. I've got an open carry. Is this an open carry studio? This yeah. is an open carry <laughs> podcast. Uh, Chris and I started carrying them because. Because a guest like you, so I have to arm myself, so just to make it safe. Right, right. You, you never know when there's going to be a guest uprising. Yeah. Well, you know, there's nothing more important the internet than the, inter- the uh, internet. There's nothing more important than the internet, the environment, and everything except guns. Guns. <laughs> yes. More guns. Um, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> um, political breaks aside, we are going to be talking about some movies. We're going to be talking about Ralph Breaks the Internet, uh, Instant Family, Green Book, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and uh, George Harrison, Living in the Material World. Um, what about what I'm bringing to the table? As I said, Instant oh. Family. Also, a Star is Born. I have some questions for you oh, and about of course, a Star is Born. Uh, we're going to revisit A Star is Born because okay. uh, Stephanie has some questions for you. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm also going to introduce our guest right now. <laughs> uh, very, very talented um, comedian, writer, author, podcaster. Um, been on the show multiple times multiple over the times. years. Yeah, is a recurring guest. And uh, over at the For Crying Out Loud podcast, ladies and gentlemen, Stephanie Wilder-Taylor. You're just saying all that nice stuff because you know I'm packing heat. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, we have exactly. to. That's the thing about guns. Yeah. We have mm-hmm. to. You have to cater to the person who's armed. The, the, the mm-hmm. wing bird with the mm-hmm. gun. You have yeah. to play nice with them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you have to hope it's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen. I was just telling all my listeners that For Crying Out Loud, mm-hmm. uh our listeners, mine and Lynette's, that uh, that I come into your podcast because I never laugh so hard 
podcast. It's true. It's true. I always have the best time here. So I hope this doesn't disappoint me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll see. She I don't know. All this pressure on us. We've been off for three months. I, I don't know what's going to happen. doesn't know that we're using video. He no, doesn't understand any yeah, of the technical I parameters. I don't even know where we are right now. No, we've done. Um, should we use headphones? I don't we know. Don't. What do they do? I don't know. It's weird. What happens, Chris? Yeah, they're just, if my ears are cold, I this should This foamy thing I'm talking yeah. into, is it a shower head? I don't know what's going on. That's true. Why do I have the head? Yeah. We're just talking. Um, let's start with Ralph Breaks the Internet. This is one of the uh, giant releases over the weekend. Okay. Uh, made um, something like $80 million, something like that. Wow. Over the, uh, because you get the holiday weekend, so you get those extra days that people right. are off. So you And they know, need a lot something of, to do with their kids. Yeah. A lot of big movies get released. It's always any family film that gets released over this um, holiday weekend always does very well, even if it's mediocre. But... Uh, um, I, I will say this. I was a big fan of the first film. Uh, I thought it was great. It had this great feel of like fun and nostalgia and like someone who grew up pay- playing a- video games in the 80s. It Real quick, really cool. $175 million budget, mm-hmm. $85,000 first weekend, opening weekend. $85 million. Yeah, $85 million. Yeah. 85000 yeah. bucks. Wow, they really ate it. This movie, <laughs> seven people went to go. It's indie. That's good for indie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. No, it's not um, terrible. So it did a hundred. They made their money back. <laughs> Close. Mm-hmm. They did one hundred twenty-seven million worldwide as mm-hmm. of November twenty-fifth. Wow. Now this movie. The thing about this movie is it was okay. It wasn't as good as the first one. And one of the reasons was as I'm watching this movie, I'm watching it. It really felt like it was like written by and put together by committee, which is uh, you know sometimes for animation that can be a good thing, but usually there's at least one specific vision who's steering the ship. Like, uh, I didn't really feel like that was the case in this movie. It really felt like, all right, we're going to, you know, Ralph goes into the Internet. So we're going to make this story and the characters go in a thousand different directions and never really bring it home or bring it to a coherent story. I mean, there was no antagonist. There was like no bad guy in the movie. Well, so it's it was, weird. They had yeah. eight writers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm they had eight writers. And uh, those are the writers that are credited. Right. So you know that the, you know there's probably 20 more that uh, you know didn't get a credit that are screaming at the WGA right now. Uh, so um, I, I really felt like this movie was kind of like it was just kind of all over the place. Like uh, there were some great, cool, funny moments. Like a lot of them were in the trailer. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. there were some uh, cool things in it for sure. And uh, but it didn't have that kind of like cohesion and freshness that the first one did like i felt like um there was Is that a- part of the problem though just the when you make a sequel to a mm. movie that's so cool and inventive it was right. such a cool premise the first mm. one how you know what i mean like how do you duplicate how do you make a sequel to this thing that was so inventive and cool like isn't that just aren't you just asking for it to not live up to it it was it's interesting like um yes a <laughs> but b is they got off on the right foot at the beginning. Like, what would you do with this movie? Well, you send Ralph to the internet. Here's a guy, you know, who's been in, like, a retro 80s arcade game, you know, for the entire time. Like, what what would the internet look to someone who's never seen it before? Like, that's kind of like the, the premise, which was interesting and fun and uh, uh, funny, really funny. But they took that premise and then went in a thousand different directions and like, well, now it's just random scenes that aren't going anywhere. Like one of the funny scenes was the scenes with the Disney princesses when they went to the website. But this 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 piece of trivia gives you an idea of like kind of how messy the movie was. Uh, originally the Oh My Disney website, Ralph and Vanellope Visit, 
was going to be the game series Disney Infinity. And that's a video game series where you have little toys that you put on like a portal and, uh, you know, they go into the game. But Disney canceled that series, you know, that uh, game series. And uh, Why wouldn't they just do something more mainstream? Like, why would you find some weird website game series that no one's heard of? Well, that that was it. I mean, but basically it was just they they, originally, I'm sure it came up from the Disney marketing uh, team. It's like, you got to promote this video game thing that we're doing and it's then, so uh, transparent when um, they do yeah, that though yeah, it, go to for, the disney store you want to sure. do disney princesses go for to sure. anything on and so the right. disney princesses were designed with this in mind however during production the game series was canceled the website location was changed now here's where it actually was funny and worked um, when ralph arrives at a dumping ground for the internet he encounters relics from the web's past there's an ad for web hosting site geocities a large helm representing netscape navigator and a reference to personal chat rooms. Uh, so things like that are kind of fun. Like, uh, like, oh yeah, we remember those and there, there's funny stuff in it. You know, there's funny stuff about spam and all those things like, you know, make money playing video games, things like that. But it never really goes anywhere. Like uh, um, Gal Gadot is in it. She plays like a, a street racer and uh, um, in this game that's like um, um, horror race or whatever it was called, something like uh um, that was supposed to be like a Grand Theft Auto type um, a game. and um, But she doesn't really have a purpose in the movie except to be friends with Vanellope. Like, it, like there's a lot of just random scenes and characters that don't really go anywhere because I swear to God, there had to be like fights in the writer's room. Well, we should do this. We should do this. I'm like, well, let's just do everything. No, you shouldn't do everything. Like right. every writer gets a scene. Like, no, that's not a great way to put a movie together, even an animation. Um, so it was it was decent. It had some great parts, and it was funny. And but it didn't. It lacked the nostalgia from the first one, and it also lacked the cohesion from the first one. Like it, you know, I can't say the first Wreck-It Ralph had this some um, amazing groundbreaking story, but it had a plot and it had a story and it had a progression. Yeah, move forward. Yeah, the whole move time. forward. This right. movie didn't do that. So. Um, I feel like you can have fun. I mean, take something as silly like Pitch Perfect. Mm -hmm. Pitch Mm -hmm. Perfect 2, I felt like was really good. Like Mm -hmm. I can watch uh, my Mm -hmm. kids. My kids are obsessed with Pitch Perfect still. And they'll watch all three of them. And I'm like, all three of them, you take these characters and then Mm -hmm. you give them a a slightly different premise. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, they're a little older. And then you just still have a good time with them. And you have lots of great songs. It's not that, it shouldn't be that hard. Didn't one of them tank, like the third one? Like people were saying how bad that one was. Like, uh, loved the third one. Oh, really? That that one got trounced. Well, but but I could watch it over and over Mm -hmm. when the kids are watching it. I can't help but get sucked in and watch it. It's really good. (laughs) I mean, it. They have to move forward in their mm-hmm. lives. I can't imagine them doing like another one. But I thought right. the third one was really good and in fact mm-hmm. felt almost needed. Right. Like, okay, well, mm-hmm. where are these people going to go with their lives? Mm-hmm. And they kind of, I don't know, I, I feel like it shouldn't be that hard. Right. No, no. I, I especially... To come up with, you. it shouldn't be impossible just because it's a, a sequel. If you have really lovable characters in the first one, you should be able to right. figure out another story for I, these. I think it gets harder and harder the more you make. Like when you're well, on the third course. one, like the second one, okay. you know. But you're on the third one, like, all right, well, like what's left? Although for some reason, Jurassic Park keeps going. It's literally one premise over and over again. There's not much new well, that they're doing. Yeah, I mean, that's a different... That's a different 
animal. No, yeah, no pun intended. Different animal, but because you're just that's sort of a like a specific thrill ride. Exactly. I want to yeah, watch yeah. these monsters mm-hmm. run around and eat people. <laughs> that's it. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. This kid. Right. This is the bad guy. Right. Yeah, eat yeah. him up. Don't care. Yeah. Chances are he's into genetic engineering. Yeah. He wants to <laughs> make a master race of it. Whatever. But right. he'll get mm-hmm. eaten. That's fine. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But like the, the the pitch perfect is a good example because it's something that we talk a lot about on the show, which is and and Wreck It Ralph is a comedy in essence. Yes, right. Comedy sequels are hard, right? Because how do you do it without repeating the jokes or making right. people right. feel like mm-hmm. it's just the same old, same old, same old? Mm-hmm. And so if they can do that in Pitch Perfect, showing these women grow, their their characters exchange, you know, uh, expand and 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 then keep the the core of what makes it funny, right? right? And what makes it charming and adorable. Because Pitch Perfect isn't, would you call it a full, is it a full comedy? Or do you think it's more of a- It's a a comedy. It's a comedy, straightforward comedy. straightforward comedy. Okay, so- I mean, it has heartwarming moments and it's musical, so it's like lots of singing and so it's entertaining that way. But yes, it's chock full of jokes. Yeah, and then that's probably the thing too. Half of the reason you're going to go see these movies is the singing numbers. Right. I know there's going to be good singing numbers. They're good right. singing and and funny. Right. And jokes and stuff between the singing numbers. Right. 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 So that's the, that's the issue I think when you come into it is when you don't have these specific anchors like. Oh, I know there's dinosaurs going to rip people apart. Right. I know Pitch Perfect mm-hmm. is going to have good songs, songs right. and they'll get right. just get me jokes between mm-hmm. the fun songs. Right. It's like a, it's like a, we talk about this with like a martial art movie. Mm-hmm. Just have the plot be serviceable right. between mm-hmm. guys getting their heads mm-hmm. kicked in. Just right. fucking Lots of ass yeah. kicking just and then just like not, keep the dialogue to a minimum. A minimum, <laughs> just not too yes. cliche. Right, right, you're right. looking you're looking for very little in the plot. Like right. you know, when they don't reach that very low threshold, then you're angry. Then you're really pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Right. But this is why I think I think why a, a Wreck It Ralph sequel as this is Oh, let me ask you both the two of you. Is it more challenging because it doesn't have these clearly defined set pieces? I think that, that's that a, gen- the genres of the other movies we're talking about martial art, pitch perfect. I think dress. that's a good point because one of the flaws of this film, it really felt like because the movie went in all these different directions, they didn't know which direction to go in and stay there because. Mm you have such a big, large, broad world. You have video Like games. the internet. You have, you have the internet. Yeah, the like internet, you can literally go It's too anywhere. big. Right. Yeah. It's not a yeah. specific enough and thing. And then that's what, like, uh, that's what happened. Like, you could go to the internet, make a bunch of internet jokes, then zero in or narrow into a, uh, a plot device or a, a story and then stay there. But it never did that. Like, uh, like, you could be broad and have all these jokes about Google and, you know, Disney and, like, you know, they... The, and the trailer showed a lot of it. Like when they get to the Disney line, you know, they're chased by stormtroopers, mm-hmm. and it's you know they're in hanging out with the princesses, and that was probably some of the best uh, scenes in the film were, were those. Did your kids uh, like it? But they did. The kids, the kids really liked it for sure. Um, but I think uh, but my but kids my, like lots of trash. Yeah, say that much. But honestly, my wife and I both were like, yeah, the first one was was definitely better. Right, and. Uh, um, so it's, but it's not, it's not by any stretch of the imagination bad. It's just not as good as the first one, and it just kind of went too many different directions. So I remember seeing a Despicable Me, the third one. I don't think it was called Despicable Me. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it was so bad, and yeah, my kids yeah. were like, "That was fun," mm-hmm. and I was, you know, pulling my hair out during yeah, it, just yeah. going, "I can't." I never like take any if of I those could movies. leave my kids yeah. unaccompanied in the theater <laughs> and get away yeah. with it, I would because. <laughs> It was, t- it's just, it's just, awful. you know, it's like they take 
the bear, the premise, and they lose everything that was charming about it, and then they just make a lot of noise. Right. That's what the, those kids' yeah. movies do. Well, that's they what just the go, Minions a lot of chaos. Was. Well, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. The Minions mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, but then there's also Despicable Me sequels too. That's like. Uh, well, maybe I'm talking about the Minions. Well, it doesn't matter. Minions. I think that's the one yeah. that I saw. It was ta- mm-hmm. I thought that was so god awful. It's just like mm-hmm. let's just have. Then there's a tidal wave, and then there's this right? person's yeah. melting off of a cliff, and then we're, we're falling, and it's what like, scenes uh, do we already have in the computer? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> So let me uh, let me just right. uh, you know do a search and then right. see what's up there. All right, put that scene and then in turn next. the volume up. Yeah. So that people. Oh, is there a volcano right. or a shark? Yeah. Put yes. that in. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, it's funny what you say because it just reminds me of being a kid in the '70s where our parents, at least mine, were just like, "Go to the movies, have some fun." Right. And we were totally unsupervised <laughs> watching whatever. And if they did take us to a movie, it was usually like an R-rated movie that we were way too young to watch. Hmm. Yes. And they were just like, wow. So you. that was your supervision? When they were with you, you would see an inappropriate movie? Yep, that was it. <laughs> oh, yeah. My stepfather used to take me to all of, like the Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. I think I was 12. He thought we were bonding. I was getting mm. traumatized. 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 Yeah. I will never watch. I won't watch any of those movies. It's not enjoyable to me yeah. to just you know, see people getting slaughtered. I, I saw The Fog. I saw Amityville Horror. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Horrifying. Me yeah. too. Yeah, I, I was too I, young I tell you, doing to be getting that scared. And having kids, I think I overcorrect a little bit. Like, uh, I'm like, no, you can't see that. Well, all my friends are seeing it. I don't care. You're not seeing it. And then I'm like, okay, all right. Now I have to preview everything. Or, you know, we have tools that our parents didn't have. Like the, oh, well, I haven't seen this movie. Let me check the IMDb parents' yeah. guide. And then I always hear, no, Common don't check the media. parents' guide. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, now you can't see it because, uh, you know, there's some very inappropriate things in here. Right. But, but uh, I showed LB The Sixth Sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which still holds up and is not as scary as I remember seeing it and going, oh, this no. is going to be. But it's not a slasher movie. No, it's huh? tense. But she really enjoyed it. I was it's like, there's movie. some gross parts mm-hmm. in there, but it's also very moving. and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a beautiful. It's a drama movie. with ghosts in it, right? Yeah, and it also it, it's it might be at the right age a good movie, Six Sense for like death and the afterlife, and right. and you know to yeah. just bro- broach that subject with a kid. A great entry you know? level horror film is like um, uh, Poltergeist. It's a good mm, one, you know that. Yeah. The, the, uh, Do you think for my kids that just turned eleven? Uh, that's like uh, too young. It depends. How can they handle? stuff or they, they, they love, get freaked out they get a little freaked out mm-hmm. yeah i saw poltergeist too young yeah you did <laughs> yeah i remember it being really scary it's creepy you know what makes it even creepier now if you read some trivia about just it where, all the people that died from that movie yeah <laughs> well that and yes um that you, you know at the end spoiler alert that uh, all those um caskets come up and the bodies come out um, they didn't have the technology to actually make all those fake skeletons. Those are actual skeletons that they borrowed from like a medical school or Horrifying. something like that. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> so they're actual That's, bodies. That would be good to yeah. like pause it and be like, guys, yeah. uh, just trivia, a <laughs> little quick trivia. Yeah. <laughs> These are real. Yeah. You know, when they go, well, that's not real, right? Yeah. Then you go, actually, yeah, Actually, yeah, the is. ones coming <laughs> up in the pool. Somebody donated their body to yeah. a hospital, and now they're in a, uh, a Spielberg movie. Yeah. So. yeah. Show your kids the birds and go, yeah. no, Tippi Hedren still to this day is freaked out by birds. Because right. Because Hitchcock fucking tormented the <laughs> yes. shit out of her because he was a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that so. true? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he had actual birds flying around her. He superimposed some of it. Yeah. But there was actual. She talked about that for years right. in interviews. Like. I didn't know that. Yeah. Out, yeah. 
too. All right, let's get to the uh, the next movie. Let's. You want to let our guests go next? Let's do Instant Family. All right, do you instant have a really family. squeaky chairs, by the way? I know. Do you you know you're doing a podcast, right? So uh, <laughs> I think ATC. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't want to lean back. Okay. Likes instant Family. Yeah. So Aaron I'm not... takes it out in post. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. What? So this right here. Yeah. <laughs> so something to know about me is ever since I turned 50, I have like mm-hmm. the worst memory. So I'm not going to give you a lot of details <laughs> if that's what Just you're looking for in a review. Yes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but I will tell you this. Instant Family. Totally loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very surprised because I, I didn't know anything about it, but my kids love that kind of Mark Wahlberg, like Daddy's Home. Mm-hmm. They love those kind of movies that are just like silly comedies. Right. So this movie came out. They wanted to see it because Mark Wahlberg. And I thought, I'm probably going to be tortured by this. But, what it, you know, we were running out of stuff to do. It was on vacation. Right. So mm-hmm. we went to the movie. I had no preconceived. All I thought was this will probably just be a silly Whatever. Because at some point, you have to take your kids out of the home or they will burn it down. You do. <laughs> you absolutely do. Um, or, or in my case, mine will just play Roblox all day. So I have to, we have to leave the house. So the movie starts. And uh, like I said, I was in no rush. This is just part of the review. I was in no rush. So my friend and I, our kids, we sent them into the theater first. We're like, if we miss the beginning, whatever. So we were getting the popcorn and stuff. And then we walk in and we hadn't missed much at all. And right away, I found myself laughing. I was like, this is pretty funny. And then sobbed multiple times sobbing during the movie. movie. Mm-hmm. I got totally sucked in. And it turns out, because, you know, I, I, at one point I looked at my friend um, and I said, this is really good. Well, what's and she's the like, I know. Like okay, a- so the premise is um, Rose Byrne and Mark Wahlberg are a couple. And they decide to start a family. And somehow she was on this website that was showing these foster kids that need families. And she mm. was, and she tells him, they're like these, um, they're people that flip houses, that they fix up houses. And so she tells him, I was on this website and there's all these kids that like need fostering. And I just, you know, it was one of those things like where you see children in Africa and you want to sponsor one and he's like okay we're not doing that like that's no like and then he starts looking at the website and he just it's all these kids that need families to take care of them so they go to this meeting and then there's Tig Tig Nataro plays <laughs> and Octavia Spencer play these women these two women that work at the foster place and then you have to go through training there's just lots of jokes, but they're all hanging on this premise, which is right. like that people get caught up in wanting to foster kids, but they're telling you it's really hard. Like most of you guys are not going to make it. Like it's mm-hmm. you're going to go through the first. You have to take these classes, and is then it like police academy training, a little bit like police <laughs> academy training. Um, and one of them does a lot of noise. Michael Winslow's in it, which is <laughs> weird. Yeah. Um, but anyway, basically, they adopt. They end up adopting three kids. Mm-hmm. Not adopt. You know, they foster three mm-hmm. kids, and it's brutal. Like, and they kind of keep it real. There's some. There's just great scenes. They kept it. So I was reading what some people were saying about it, and people that I know that have fostered that foster kids, and they were saying, okay, it is sugar coated a bit. But it's pretty. It's realistic. Really? Oh wow! Yeah. So it's sort of kind of a fun look at what the realities of being a foster parent are. Yes, mm-hmm. but it's very, very heartwarming, oh. and it's and the 
guy who wrote it, it's based on his family. So it's based on a true story. The writer actually, they did foster three kids to Mm -hmm. adopt three kids and talk to, and it's based on their story. So at the end, it has a little bit of a feel of um, uh, a league of their own, where at the end they show all this real footage of these real families and all these photographs of real... Not a dry eye in the house. I mean, people were crying. My friend Mm -hmm. was crying. The kids loved it Mm -hmm. because it has so many jokes. Mm Mm-hmm. That are funny, and Mark Wahlberg is really funny in it. So would you so say and Rose Byrne is super yeah. funny? She, and think about like, like look at her resume now. She's really good at like playing. I don't want to say the straight man, but she's really good at being dramatic in the context of a very funny script. Like right, and she Bridesmaids. can do an X Men movie. I mean, she right. can do both. Yeah, she mm-hmm. can do both. But I mean, this char- this one was a char- like she was kind of doing a character that was a mm-hmm. comedic character. She uh, was kind of playing this. Like constantly being out of her like element, like oh my God, what do I do? That kind of character, but in a really funny, she really played it real. Well, and that's funny. what I'm saying. That's what yeah. like in a character, like a, a lesser actress might have been too wacky or too dimensional, right. where right. she brings this like reality to it. Even though you're like, oh, that's a little over the top, but it right. feels like, well, I kind of know someone like that, and she's being very human. Yes, mm-hmm. she plays it human. And they, what I, one of the things I liked about it was they fight in the movie. She and Mark Wahlberg are getting into fights because, and it's something they kind of warn them of. So they have, they have this support group. So they keep going to this support group and they have a bunch of other people that are adopting kids and they're kind of, they're the ones, they first adopt the kids and then they're in the honeymoon period. So they go into the support group and they're like, it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Like, and everyone's laughing at them. Like, yeah. just wait. Like, it's not. And then it gets really bad. And then they start fighting just like new parents do, mm-hmm. you know? And it's real. They, yeah. I mean, I felt like it was, I was watching a movie that I could truly enjoy that was real, mm-hmm. but still fun and funny and lots of jokes. Right. I highly so, recommend it. All right. So as far as Mark Wahlberg movie goes, would you say it's funnier than Mile 22? Is that- <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that. But like the Daddy's Home movies is what I'm right. kind of basing it on. And those are just silly comedies. Right. Mm-hmm. That, you know, kids this are going to... more heartfelt. This was more of like a real movie. I don't know. And I think I you, 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 the reason why now I want... The, the trailer, I was like, mm, it's another daddy's home. Right. But when you tell me it, it's the writer went through this. Right. Yeah. Then I know it's rooted it's, in reality. It's yeah. totally... It's based on a true story. Well, this is, It's you based know, on the writer's story. Another great example of the trailer's not doing the movie any favors. Which we say this it's all not. the time. They mm-hmm. fuck up comedies in trailers all, so the, all time. the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll take a good funny movie and they'll make it look stupid. Yeah. It's like they have an iTunes comedy trailer template, and then they just throw everything into that. Yeah, and yeah. even the title is kind of the instant family. It, it sounds like it's going to be one of those like Hallmark, like mm. it's or a Lifetime. Yeah, like why is movie in this movie? You know, yeah, like you know the pacifier or something, or like completely that. Yeah. Un- unbelievable. Where you're like, mm-hmm. they'd never get a kid that way, or right. something right. right. like it's that. It's actually based on the actual system and the person's story. And like I said, well, you never I get that from the trailer. <laughs> in the all. for crying out loud group i went and recommended it i was like you guys i just got back from this movie it's like fantastic and then a bunch of people in that group foster kids and they're like oh i've been afraid to see this because i hate it when people try to tell this story and a bunch of them said it's really has a lot of elements that are real that's fantastic wow. that's really great now to i hear. want to see it yeah me too mm-hmm. 
Me too. I know it's funny because my husband normally hates movies like that. And he, the other day, said, I want to go see, like, do you want to see it again? Because I want to see it. And I thought he was joking. And he's like, no, honestly, like, I want to see it. Like, it looks good to me now. Mm. Anyway, so there you go. All right. Mm. Instant family. Here to help. All right. And uh, has he said that about Pitch Perfect 3, too? He doesn't care for those movies. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Uh, All right. Let's talk about some Green Book. I saw Green Book. Mm -hmm. And um, this movie, again... I don't think the trailer did it justice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in a good way or a bad way. I think way. the trailer looks good. Oh, it mm-hmm. makes me want to see it. I, it. For me, I had. I guess I didn't say the trailer did a disservice to the movie, but when I saw the trailer, I was like, "Man, I don't know. This could go either way." Mm-hmm. It's a really good movie. It's probably going to get some Oscar nominations oh, as well. It should. Like, I, mm-hmm. I really, I really like it um, because I didn't know this too. But the Green Book is is an actual thing. And it was called the Negro Motorist Green Book. So they, when you traveled through the South in the 60s, um, well, it was published from 36 to 66, it showed you where to find uh, restaurants, motels. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? There was a book. Mm-hmm. You had to, and you had to have it. You had Can to you have it. Can you imagine having so much of the country hate you? Just... And want to keep their kids away from you and... I mean, segregation wasn't even that long ago. I mean, integration, you know, where mm-hmm. the where I was just hearing a story about the, um, maybe on Rachel Maddow the other night, about mm-hmm. when they started forcing the kids in Mississippi where that wo- woman is running who made the lynching joke. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Well, it was when I was a kid. Well, we'll they find out had today integration. if she still wins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you I know, mean, when, they, when they were, and then all these white kids refused to go to school when yeah. they had the black. I mean, this was in the 70s. Oh, there was up until about five, ten years ago, I think it was either Mississippi or Alabama, interracial marriages were illegal. Yeah. Like, what? But, you know, racism, that's a thing of the past. That doesn't exist. It's all done. Yeah. They fixed it. Um, (laughs) It's about time. So (laughs) this this movie is all about that because Mm -hmm. it's based on a true story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mashallah Ali plays an actual, um, this actual uh, musician. Mm -hmm. And... You know, Vigo Mortensen. Th- this is a true story. Was this like plays this Italian guy from the Bronx who was a, who was a bouncer at the Copacabana? Now, here's the thing: why I think the movie's really amazing. You tell me that when I was like, Vigo Mortensen's playing an Italian guy from the Bronx. I was like, he's a good actor, but come on, I think this is outside of his range. Nope, he was ama- He, he was so it. believable. Mm-hmm. You know, he put on a bunch of weight, and he wasn't doing that like cartoon like, yo, I'm from the Bronx. You right, know, like right, right, he was. Right. He was and this shows you Bronx how tale. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was like it wasn't like that. It was mm-hmm. so believable. And Marshall Ali again. Look who he played last year in Moonlight. Played a gangster thug guy. I drug mean, dealer. Drug dealer. Mm-hmm. You know the character he was when he was in the first couple of seasons of uh, House of Cards. And he plays this guy who's an actual person, highly educated, uh, classically trained musician who is so like prim and proper and you know at the end of the movie they do the thing they show actual photos of the actual people i love this Mm -hmm. i love it and it was like that this guy dressed up and you know traveled around the world and was very articulate very intelligent and he's with this like guy from the bronx and he you know and it's so their relationship is and one of the Ferrelli brothers directed it. On paper, I'd be yeah, like, no. Well, no yeah, like, get me you, one of the directors from something on. about Mary to do this. Yeah, I know. Who's, yeah which Ferrelli brother? Peter? 
Okay, yeah, he's the better one. <laughs> so I'm serious. He wrote a book called The Comedy Writer. Did you ever read his no. book? Mm-hmm. It's a great book. Mm-hmm. I think he's the brains behind the operation. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I would. You put all those things on paper. I'd be like, I don't see this happening. But it's really good. And there, there's funny moments in it, but it doesn't trivialize what's actually going on. Right. So Marshall Ali's character is like, I'm going on tour in the South. Right. And he's doing it for a very specific reason, to prove a point. And, you know, he's got to stay in the coloreds-only hotels that are a lot shittier. So his driver is literally staying in nicer hotels in the South. And now, is it, did they show that weird kind of thing where, like, you know, he's a performer. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, not treated like a typical black man would be in mm-hmm. the South, where, you know, he gets to go to these fancy clubs and restaurants because he's performing in them. But... It's also when he's not performing, all of a sudden he can't eat in certain restaurants and things like that. Yep. Like it's it's this weird kind of like you know you saw it in Ray Charles's movie too. Dude, it's Ray, a, there, there's you know? a scene in there. He's mm-hmm. playing at this nice southern country club with all these upscale southern whites, and they're so gracious and thank you. Oh my, we love mm-hmm. your music. And he's like, "Can I use the restroom?" And they're like, uh, "Not that one, the outhouse." And he's like, "Um." Why can't I go here? He's like, that, that's the only one we have available for you. And they're being nice and polite about it. Mm-hmm. Right. They're not saying, you can't go in there, boy. You know, they're being nice and polite, but they're very in a very polite way saying, Mm-mm, blacks can't use the, the nice bathroom. Right. And it's like, you see, and, and, and the thing that was all that interesting too is, you know, there's some scenes in there where, where he's not accepted by black people either. He's staying in, in, in the black motel and he's in this nice suit and they're like, oh, what's up, Mr. Butler? You think you're better than us? And right. he doesn't talk that way. And, and there's scenes in the car where Viggo Mortensen is playing like Little Richard. Mm-hmm. And he's like, who's this? He's like, you don't know who Little Richard is. This is your people's music. And he, you know, he's like, so the, the discussions they have are amazing and talking about the complexities of race in this country. Right. Mm-hmm. And what's your real identity? And he's like, well, I, I got to use, I'm not accepted by the whites. I'm not accepted by blacks. Where do I fit? Well, that right. was a great scene in the trailer. It's like, well, um, he's, he, he's basically yelling at Viggo Mortensen's character. He's like, well, I'm not black enough for you, but I'm not white enough for you. Then what am I? What am I? Mm-hmm. You know? And, you know, there's a great scene where he goes to this bar and, 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 you know, it causes a problem. Viggo Mortensen's job is to protect him, right? Right. And Viggo Mortensen's like, what the fuck are you doing going in that bar down here? And he says, would I be treated any differently if I went to your bar in your neighborhood? You're all Italian working class bar in the Bronx if a black man walked in there? Like, and it's like, it's really, it's, it's really well done. And, um, you know, this is the, and we talk about this a lot on the show with the biopics based on real people. There was no scene in there where you're like, did this really happen? <laughs> Are they like, you know, because there's a couple scenes where I'm like. Like they get run out of a delicatessen, something like that. Well, <laughs> like there's, there was one scene, I won't give it away, but like, okay, so we talked about this in, um, I'm blanking on the movie of the black women that were mathematicians last year that were. Hidden figures. Oh, hidden hidden figures. figures, right. Mm-hmm. So there's this big scene in there 
that we find out later didn't really happen, and it's mm-hmm. showing Kevin Costner as the white hero. Like, right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you gotta have a white hero. Gotta though. have a white hero, otherwise white people can't watch the right, movie. Like, right. oh, we're <laughs> all so dumb. Leave we them feeling bad about themselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. we can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, how are we gonna make money? How are we gonna make money? <laughs> um, so I was, you know, there was a scene in there where it felt pretty authentic, and my friend that I watched it with, that was like, that scene didn't feel like that Hollywood thing. There, there was. We talked about Hidden Figures, a good movie. I'm glad they made it, but yeah. there was just a Hollywood polish to it. For sure. You know, and this movie didn't, it felt like they did a pretty good job of like accurately portraying these two real guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it showed them. It showed Viggo Mortensen, all of his Italian guys like saying racist things. You know what I mean? Right. Just like, oh, you're going to talk to the Mooley, you know, mm-hmm. Moulin John, which is Italian for eggplant, which is a mm-hmm. racist term. That's, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And it's like. Unless you're cooking. Yeah, unless you're cooking. <laughs> yeah. But it was like, it showed. And then he sort of starts to have his change of heart and everything. It's a, it's a really, it's a really fascinating. I, I thought it was a well-made movie and it was, mm-hmm. it was one of the first movies I've seen thus far. I'm like, oh, Oscar buzz. Oscar. Yes. Oscar buzz. Yeah. They should sure. both get nominations. Oh, great. Best, best leading and best supporting. Now, did it follow this trend that we've been seeing for the last couple months of each movie is 20 minutes too long? Or do you think it was the right length? You know, I I'm going to go by your silence 10 minutes too long. I was, yeah, I was, <laughs> well, I'm just trying to remember like my, like did, was I looking at my watch in the movie and, mm-hmm. and it has a slow pace. Right. But I don't know that I want to say it was too long. Okay. I like a slow pace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Movies need to start taking their time again. Stop rushing to the conclusion. Well, it's a good point. And I think what Chris is bringing up is there are some movies where and this is, there's a difference between a slower pace and we just left in all of these extra scenes we did. It was too long. 100%. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. yes. cut out 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be all quick cut action movie, but but right. like tell the story. And, and But this movie felt like mm-hmm. each beat, each moment, each town they go to, we learn something mm-hmm. significant. Right. And... Um, yeah, and how they handle certain situations, and and there's some other stuff in the film I won't I won't reveal unless you've seen it. But like, it's worth it's a good movie. It's worth great. seeing. It's great performances. I'm and hats off to Peter Farrelly. Uh, yeah, like, Farley. Yeah, and get his whatever. Really, <laughs> get his book. His no, book, the Farley. comedy writer. What? Farley. No, it, but it's pronounced Farley. Really? Yeah, Farley. 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 So Farrell. So everyone's wrong. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, the Farrelly brothers. Uh, okay. The next movie, um, this is easier. The Coen brothers. I think we got that. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Netflix yeah. movie. I feel Netflix like you movie. don't like Jews. Yeah. <laughs> getting. Well, why do you have to call them the Coen brothers? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> why do you have to call them that? <laughs> seems very racist. Yeah. So uh, the, this movie... Um, Still follows the Netflix um, formula of get great people and find their worst movie and buy it. No way. Yeah, I don't know what happened here, uh, but I really felt like the studios went to the Coen brothers. It's like, look, we'll make any movie you want except for the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Even Burn After Reading? Yeah, we'll make Burn After Reading, but just you can't bring us Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And like, all right. I'm like, well, somebody's going to buy this movie. And sure enough, Netflix did. Um... This movie is a Western. However, it is a anthology <laughs> film. 
So it's six short stories inside the movie, which isn't the worst thing if they're good stories. They are not. There's uh, maybe one or two that really get interesting, and then they just go off the rails. Like, uh, like, uh, and the rest, it, it, it has this weird monotony to it. Like, a story is either graphically violent, boring, both, or, like, goofy and silly. Like, it didn't... It, it picked, like, all the weird worst parts of like a Coen Brothers movie and like put them all together in one movie like and I'm a huge fan of theirs I love their movies yeah and this movie even as a I Coen don't. Brothers movie yeah I know you're not a fan of yeah, them yeah um, but I know it's I'm showing my uncultured side yeah. but you know, I, don't, I don't know I just have been always been so bored their movies some of them are so good it's like taking a film class like you know when you have you know movies like uh, even like their first movie like Blood Simple mm-hmm. like uh, you know they're so good and uh um, but even stuff like Man Who Wasn't There and all, even like their lesser known movies. There's I just always watched something. No Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men is an amazing That's film. That's a good movie. Uh, that and, is a good uh, movie. You know, and, but even like, the, like I said, their lesser known movies, like, um, you know, there's always something to grab onto or like to really enjoy. Where this movie had um, some great moments in it, like Coen Brothers moments, like, but they were few and far between. They're like, oh, now we're in a Coen Brothers movie. And, like, and then it ends, like, because. There literally there's six stories in it. So as soon as things get interesting, they um, end it in a weird way and then go on to the next one. And it, it's just this weird mix of like, well, we don't have anything to do with these ideas. What are we going to do with them? Just throw them all into one movie that Netflix will buy. <laughs> so it was just a mess. It really was. And like I think of like their that Western that they just did was uh, uh, the remake, True Grit. It's fantastic. It was great. And... Uh, this one, it was like these kind of had these weird moments of like, uh, of like almost like clarity or uh, inspiration, but it just it, it went nowhere. And it's 132 minutes long. It's the oh, longest God. one they've ever made. And it was completely unnecessary to make it that long. Like, hey, you know, out of six stories, you've got one or two that are decent. You have four you could have cut. <laughs> so maybe cut one or two of them at least to get the running time down. Um, so it was originally envisioned as a feature film. However, the Coens decided they had enough material to create a miniseries, but then after production finished, it was edited into a feature film after all. So See? even they didn't know what they wanted to do with it. So um, I- I'll tell you, I was really, like I said, I'm a big fan. I was, uh, I was disappointed in this uh, film. Well, this is the thing, too. Like, we mentioned the movies that... It's also very bleak. Like, I know they do bleak stuff, but this one was like... It was like really shoving it in your face. Like we're gonna make it even bleak. Well, it depend. You know, the thing is, it also depends on this where, where, where the source material. True Grit is a remake. Yes. No Country for Old Men is a Cormac McCarthy book. Yes. So pretty good source material. Pretty good source <laughs> material. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like, not, it's not definitive. Like anytime they write their own thing, it's it misses. I don't. You know, I like mm. a lot of their stuff. Yeah. But. Um, I always feel like when they miss the mark, yeah. it's when they're trying to make a Coen Brothers movie. Right. It really right. felt that way. Like, uh, like you know, even Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Like, it just felt like, oh, this is a, an awesome movie, which they actually based on, like, the Odyssey, the, the Greek, uh, you know, play. Source material. <laughs> yeah, source material. Uh, but, you know, something like, you know, Blood Simple. That wasn't based on a movie, uh, a book, was it? Their no. first movie, yeah, that was that was theirs. I don't think so. Um, I'll look it up. So, uh, but it was, yeah, it, was, it just I felt like like there's, 
you know, literally Netflix is like, just whatever you want. How about this one that no one else wants? Great. And then, like, that's how they run their film division. Yeah, I, I really, it's funny. I saw this, the trailer on Netflix, and I was like. I was waiting for him. Like, hmm. I kept checking the date. Oh, is it out yet? Is it out yet? I couldn't wait to see it. Yeah, Blood Simple, yeah. they wrote it. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's an original mm. work. Um, but I love Blood Simple. That mm -hmm. came out in 1984. Right. All right, so good. Well, now I don't have to watch yeah. this. No, you don't. And uh, uh, now let's revisit with our guest um, A Star is Born because uh, Stephanie had a few. I haven't seen it yet. I've been avoiding it. But uh, Why is he avoiding it? I so know. I just didn't want to see it. Did you yeah. like it? I did like it. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I liked I'll see it, it eventually. a lot. I liked it a lot, and I feel like it, it also could get some Oscar mm -hmm. buzz. What do yes. you think? Okay, so, well, here's my question. I <laughs> Shoot. Although, okay, I feel like, so Bradley Cooper was amazing, and I thought Lady Gaga was really great, and I all the scenes, like, just right from the get-go, it pulled me in. I was like, wow, this is just such a good movie. I loved watching every scene. But the story, and I've seen the prior versions of this, too, but I felt I felt like... Okay, so you know how Bradley Cooper's character is always telling her, like, you have to be authentic, and then right. he gets mad when she sings her, like, you walked in with those jeans or whatever. You yeah, write yeah, that song yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, she yeah. does on SNL. She walked in with those jeans. With those jeans. Why'd you walk in with your ass looking like that? And those, whatever. And he's just appalled, right? He's getting mad that she's becoming this, you know... All he does is want her to have her her voice, right? But then I felt like, I don't know if this is really a spoiler or not, but I didn't feel like the story had a proper ending. And then I was, I, I'm like, am I alone in this? So spoiler alert: We're going to get into the ending of this movie real quick. Anyone listening, just real quick, yeah, maybe pause because there's no way we can talk about this without getting into the spoiler. A little bit. I'm not going to describe what I'm not sure. Okay, but she's singing that she sings a song at the end, right? That he wrote. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was supposed to be this moment that Brit that's like, oh, she found her voice again and she became real. But she didn't because she's singing his song that he wrote. It's not even like she produced it or did a different version of it. Like he sang it for her and she sang it. And I was like, so she doesn't really grow as a character she does well do you know what I mean though that, so then I felt like is it just that it's Bradley Cooper's movie then I was like well he directed it so and wrote it right he was mm -hmm. co-writer co on it and he directed it so maybe it was really he was really it was his movie and it was his story but then do you know what I mean I was like it didn't that didn't stay true to that's interesting I did not have that reaction um, I felt like you know, she did kind of grow. I felt like that song at the end was sort of a tribute because here's the spoiler alert. He's dead. Um, right. So, uh, and the way I saw it was that was their song. He wrote that for her, but that's like, this is our song. And he wrote this for me. And, and the first time he wrote it, I remember she kissed him and it was this, like, let's, that's, he wrote that song for me. So I'm going to honor him by singing this song about him is the way I saw right. it. Right, but she doesn't, they never show her really changing. So she becomes this like, um, 
show business version of herself. What he loved about her was that she had this voice, like that, that not just her physical singing voice, but she had a voice, right? She mm-hmm. wrote a song and she was too embarrassed to sing it. And she says, oh, I don't write my own songs. But then she sings him a song in this parking lot and he's like, you're amazing. And then he goes on stage and he basically gets her discovered. Right. Once she gets discovered, she starts singing these kind of like ridiculous songs. But when he calls her on it, she's like, what's wrong with that song? Because she wrote that song. So it would have been better, in my opinion, if she was starting to write songs that if they were just giving her songs that other people wrote and he was like, well, you're not doing like, why aren't you fighting for singing your own songs? Like, that's Mm -hmm. who you are. Why are you letting them? Why are you letting your manager or your record label make you do songs that are stupid that other people wrote? But they didn't. And here's the interesting thing that in my mind, this is what was messing it up. Lady Gaga literally wrote those songs like that's actually a hit for lady gaga the you walked in in them jeans or whatever is a her song that's a hit on the radio for her Mm -hmm. so it's a weird thing in my mind i'm like okay so we're making fun of those songs but that's actually lady gaga's style she really does do these kind of dance songs do you know what i mean i think maybe what's your question well, so this this is how I, this is how I, because I left going. I don't feel did you put like my satisfied because I feel like they missed there was something missing where it's like well you wanted her to be this character that has sings these beautiful songs which she does when she sings the you're in the in the shallows uh-huh. song it's a go, it's a huge moment and you understand why she got discovered then she does these other songs that he's like. So then I, this is how I made myself feel better. And I want to know if you agree. I was like, maybe part of the point is that he's tortured. He's a tortured artist. And he feels like to be a great artist, you have to be tortured. She's not. She's like, I could sing these songs or I could not sing these songs. It doesn't define who I am. It doesn't make me a better singer or a better artist. And I don't have that same problem you have because she's not an alcoholic. Yeah. He's well, an alcoholic right. and she's not. And she's annoyed by the fact that like she loves him, but she's like, I don't have to get drunk with you right. to like be an artist. So maybe she never needed that and he really did and he was never going to be happy. I think there's that. I think there's that. The, the thing, the thing but am I reading too much into it? Do you think that was intended in I, the movie or do you think Bradley Cooper just wasn't seeing her care really that character. No, I and wasn't seen thinking, I don't putting, I don't thinking know, enough. I don't about think her that's character. what happened. I think part of it is you maybe, and I under totally understand where this comes from, are bringing too much Lady Gaga into the movie. You see what I'm saying? Versus, I'm not. I don't. I don't know Lady Gaga's work that well. I was just impressed. I was like, wow, here she is, no makeup. I know who Lady Gaga's persona is. Right. But even if you don't know Lady Gaga, didn't you feel like there was something lacking in the fact that? She does this very, you know, top 40 song and he's upset about it. But she's like, well, that's why are you making fun of my song? And then she's supposed to have this moment where she finds her voice back at the end. And I'm like, but the, cho- the so- what you chose to do with that is have her sing your song, his song. I didn't see it that way. I saw it like, oh, here's an alcoholic being jealous, trying to take her down. <laughs> like she's she's like, I don't have your torture. And I, I, I agree, like. She was like, I want to sing. Can we do a hashtag? I don't have your torture. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have your torture. Hashtag not my torture. Not my yeah. torture. Yeah. And she said, you know, that's her thing. And she's just like, yeah, I'm, my career's blowing up. Yours hit the toilet because you boozed it out. 
Okay. You know, and I guess I was overthinking it. Yeah. And so it was at the, and her singing the song in the end was like, for me was her celebrating this guy and his torture. Um, <laughs> hashtag not my, torture. hashtag not my torture. And, um, I'm going to write that down. Not my torture. Um, and also like, uh, yeah, I sort of saw her like, well, I'm going to be true to him and, and myself. And, you know, I can sing these songs without with without a big crazy outfit on, and like, why can't I do both? Like, what's wrong? You know, and and I felt I sort of felt like the to me the song at the end was her sort of making peace with, because if you have someone in your life that's a, that's an alcoholic who then takes their own life, you're gonna beat yourself up. You're gonna did I should I have this? Should I have that? It's my fault, or could I have saved them? The answer is no. You can't. You can't save someone. You can't get somebody sober. You can't do that at all. You can love and support them if they try that journey, but they are the only ones who can do that. Right. And so the song was just like, I'm, I'm love. I'll never forget this man. I love him. He brought me who I was, and I also have to let go of thinking I can go back and hashtag not my torture. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Okay. I feel better then. <laughs> but I love that movie, and it's a great analysis of it to think about. Yeah, well, now I want to see it more. Actually, it's a great now film. That you guys, uh, that and Green Book are the two front runners thus far. I know we have a lot of movies left to come out that are, yeah, in my yeah. opinion, are Oscar. Everything's films. Yeah. backloaded into the the end of the get, year. These last five weeks, it's going to yeah. be all Oscar. I don't all. see movies again very often, but I went to A Star Is Born and I just loved it so much that I was like. I must see this again immediately. I was going to go the next day. I wanted my daughter to see it, mm-hmm. who just turned 14. Mm-hmm. And even though it's a little adult for her, but there's not any explicit sex in it. Because mm-hmm. right. that's my that's my barometer. Is like, I don't want her to see actual sex, but swearing I don't care about. And like right. adult content I don't care about because I remember seeing lots of adult movies when I was her age, mm-hmm. just not explicit. Anyway, but yeah, she really, really liked it. I brought her like the next week. Oh, great. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I'll see it again. Should I don't we, even uh, care. Should we uh, talk about George Harrison real quick? Real quick, yeah. Mm-hmm. This, this 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 came out in 2011. It's the Martin Scorsese film. He made it into a two-part thing. So now Netflix has released it as just one like three-hour three hour and some-minute movie. Um, it's a really cool documentary. Um, and, um, you know, it, it, this is an interesting quote. Olivia, who was Harrison's widow, collaborated on the film, and she said, I almost don't want people to see it. It's like showing everybody into your most private place. Um, you know, it's really cool, and it shows the Beatles, Beatlemania through his eyes, and that transition also. I didn't really quite realize this, but... His solo career after they broke up was pretty amazing. Yeah. And he was doing all of that, like, Eastern meditation and the... My sweet did they Lord. Mention, yeah, that that was all Harry, Harry Krishna Harry stuff. Harry, did, they, did they mention that he, he funded um, Life of Brian, Monty Python's yep. movie? Was that in the... That in the oh, movie? wow. Oh, they went into all that. And they mm-hmm. went into that, then the Catholic Church went nuts. And yeah, he just yeah. loved... He was just, mm-hmm. like, awesome. And people were like... They showed two of the Monty Python guys on some British TV show with some old British dude like, you've completely disrespected, I mean, Western society is completely collapsed and this movie, you know, and they're, mm-hmm. they're trying to throw it all on them and they're yeah. like, no, we're saying we shouldn't blindly follow anybody, mm-hmm. you know? And all of it is Eastern meditation and, you know, Ravi Shankar and all the, the sitar stuff and, you know, it was really 
his doing drugs and realizing I got to, there's this great thing where he's, where he's like, you know, he'd been experimenting with LSD and everyone was doing that. And he went to hate Ashbury expecting to see just this like artist com community. And he goes, no, it was a bummer. It was just people just high on drugs. And, and it was like, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be at all. Mm. And, you know, people just wanting to get high and get laid. It wasn't this like free thinking, creative environment. And he was like, I kind of stopped. And he was just like... So Haight-Ashbury had a good marketing team. Yeah, really good, really good. Haight-Ashbury's got great marketing. The marketing team over there at Haight-Ashbury, yeah. they're fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's a so really... It's, good. it's a really... If you mm -hmm. if you have any interest in the Beatles or, or, or even if you don't know that much about them and want to know more... They pretty, were a band. Yeah. yeah, they were a rock group. Right. That's okay. correct. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Lady Gaga wasn't in it. Yeah. Um, Similar to Rolling Stones. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Kind of. They had some hits. Yeah. That's what I... One or two? Right. Yeah. 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 A couple dropped a few shows. albums. They toured a little. Like yeah. these boots are made for walking, like mm -hmm. that level yeah. of success. <laughs> so, all right. Graham, we've got some Patreon sponsors. Oh, yeah. This is the $50 tier. And, Hashtag uh, you know, not my torture. Yep. <laughs> Stephanie is well aware of the um, the Patreon she ad tier. She turned this us on to this ad tier. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, mm -hmm. um, it's it's, it's a great. good tier. Yeah, it's a great way to get your uh, your name and your business out there, or your podcast, whatever you have. So you know, Johnny Rulon's still with us. He's promoting Johnny. his novel uh, Green Cheek, Junkie's Guide to Street Magic. It's on Amazon in both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel which follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and her mortal lover T.S. on a journey through time, dreams, and the hidden places of a supernatural America. The website's HappyHorrorShowProductions.com. HappyHorrorShowProductions.com. And the Audacity Performing Arts Project produces after-school performing arts projects in poor, underfunded, and low-performing schools. Performing arts education is not a luxury. Visit them at audacityperformingarts.com, audacityperformingarts.com. And from Chris Parker Howard, Coffee Over Suicide, a dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. New episodes every Friday, and you can find out more at coffeeoversuicide.com, coffeeoversuicide.com. And Alice Frazier, uh, co-host of the Bugle podcast and host of Tea with Alice, brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows. They explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. The shows were recorded back-to-back -back as a three-hour show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival in April of 2018 with a binaural microphone, which creates an intensely immersive listening experience. Uh, you got to Google Alice Frazier Trilogy for more info. Hi, Alice. Although... Um, I have to update that. She has a website and a link now. And she was telling me that uh, 100,000 downloads. Oh. Yeah, so fantastic. Holy well done, shit, Alice. that's great. Mm -hmm. Not my torture, Alice. Yes. <laughs> well done. <laughs> and Rebecca Evans, The Art Podcast. Uh, when we move past hesitation, we're true to ourselves and we find our own art in life. You want to hear some fun stories and get inspired? Check out The Art um, it's facebook.com slash the art podcasts with an S. She can listen to me. I was on one of the first episodes. We recorded it down at the beach. It was a really cool yes. conversation. And then I did one as well. So uh, you can listen. It's really uh, get into the nitty gritty of uh, creating art. It's fun. Mm -hmm. uh, from Scott Ryanhart, The Night Watchman is a story about a hero who clubs down evil with flashlights and shines Night light Watchmen. into the darkness when the guy's not working his day job at the local Home Depot. It's an illustrated novel. <laughs> will be contributed to by about 30 artists ranging from fantasy game illustrators, cartographers, storyboard illustrators, and well-known comic book artists. You can go to ninthpointstudio.com for more info. That's nine with a, the actual number, ninthpointstudio.com. And lastly, La Calavera by Alan Ross. It's a story of a pirate radio operator who decided 
is to go into the pirate cable TV business. Darren Loney, together with a group of misfits and the questionable guidance of a spiritual advisor in the form of Richard M. Nixon, gear up to take on the world's largest media conglomerate and its egomaniacal celebrity CEO. It's on Amazon, an ebook, and hard copy. All right. Thank you, Patreon uh, ad tier. We really appreciate the support, guys. And now we got some trailers to hit. Um, I will say this. This trailer made me laugh so hard. And it's a movie that I've already seen. (laughs) It's Once Upon a Deadpool. This is the re-release of the uh, PG-13 version that they're releasing for the holidays, which is great counter-programming to all the Oscar movies coming out. All right. This is... You might want your headphones for this, but... Okay. Right before Christmas, a good guy in red is coming to theaters with his new sidekick, Fred. Why am I here? You're in a PG-13 version of Deadpool. Filtered through the prism of childlike innocence. I'm a grown And nobody man. does childlike innocence like you, Fred. Nobody. I need you almost as much as you need me. I don't need you at all. You need me <laughs> to untie you once we're done. Right. <laughs> I loved your working up. I'm sorry? Don't get too attached. Once upon a Deadpool. Kind of prefer Marvel movies. We are Marvel. Yeah, but you're, you know, Marvel licensed by Fox. It's like if the Beatles were produced by Nickelback. It's music, (laughs) but it sucks. (laughs) You were nicer as a kid. Rated PG-13. Limited engagement in theaters December 12th. That looks funny. Holy yeah. shit, that trailer's fantastic. Yeah, they made fun of themselves as a Marvel property being licensed by Fox. It's like the Beatles being produced by Nickelback. How great is that? How great is that? Um, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Whatever they want to do, yeah. let them do Well, I'm, like, I'm kind of, in a weird way, excited because I can bring my kids to this movie now. Oh, Yeah, because okay. it's the PG-13 version, and, and they're both really excited to see it now. All right, here comes the Lion King trailer. The official Lion King teaser trailer. Yes. This came out four days ago. What is it, Lion King 2? No, it's a remake. Oh. Uh Oh, that sounds bad. (gasps) That's like live action. The light touches. Sort of. Is our kingdom. But a king's time as ruler rises and falls like the sun. One day, the sun will set on my time here and will rise with you as the new king. You said it's a live-action version. Um, Directed it, by John Favreau. Yeah, it, it, 
It isn't. It looks like a live action version, but it's all still made in the computer. Wow. It's just a. Uh, I want to uh, see a it. CG version. What, what What's weird is it's like it's very rare that an animated movie gets remade. Uh-huh. Um, so this is yeah, especially a Disney right, right movie. Yeah, and uh, like because you could say the Jungle Book was kind of, uh, but it wasn't. The Jungle Book still had a uh, a live action character in it that kind of anchored the entire movie with the kid. Mm-hmm. But this one, there's no live action elements in it at all. This is all a... It looked real. Yeah, it looked real, uh, but it was still completely made in the computer. So it's still, um, it'll be classified. It'll be interesting to see, like, with the Academy Awards, this should be still classified as an animated movie, because it's really not live action. What? (laughs) I guess you're right. It has to be, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Because there was some controversy, like, well, is uh, the last um, Jungle Book movie that Jon Favreau did, was it live action? Well... It mostly wasn't. It had one live action you know, character in it. I remember when the Jungle Book came, the first, mm-hmm. the first, my first inclination with the Jungle Book remake and this one is, well, why do we need it? And, right, exactly. But then I don't know. The technology has improved, or well, to where it's a, it's, it's a different, more interesting way to tell the story. Now well, it depends. That's the, it depends how um, John Favreau how much freedom he actually had to do it because the Jungle Book version that he did strayed from the original story and it went in some different directions which were much needed and much more interesting like if it was a shot-by-shot remake of the animated movie right. well, who, who cares right. uh, and we've seen that we've seen that with Beauty and the Beast and some of these other remakes it's actually literally um, exactly the same uh-huh. um, you know uh, uh, what was the, the one that, that they just did uh, was it Sleeping no it wasn't Sleeping Beauty it was uh um, Cinderella. Cinderella. That yeah. was the one where it was literally. Well, this is just a live action version of the animated movie. There's nothing new or yeah. When they do that, it's like, yeah. what's the point? Yeah, but if bother? this is like an interesting take, right? Like, sort of with the new technology, like they did with Jungle right. Book, then I guess I'm in. Yeah. I want to see it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the from that trailer, it looks like it's a shot by shot remake. But because I know what John Favreau did with the last Jungle Book movie, there might be some cool, interesting, different things in it. All right. So. Uh, and now the John only- Favreau from Swingers. Yeah, that's him. Yep, and director of Iron Man. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting because mm-hmm. you would think he'd be there to add jokes. Yeah, but there's mm-hmm. not going to be a lot of jokes in the line. Well, I guess there might be. Just the uh, with Timon and Pumbaa. The they have the, uh, the you know because obviously Seth. He's Rogen's not rewriting one of those like characters. the story. So, right. Well, I'm hoping he gets some kind of freedom to do something different and interesting. But uh, who knows? I mean, this one it's might hard. be hard. It's been on Broadway. Yeah, that I mean, Disney it's, it's property a, it's that a, they're like. Beloved. Don't mess with it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it is a little it. weird mm-hmm. to like, you can't really mess with it too much. It's right. A... It's also a Hamlet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good the point. The structure of, uh, of Hamlet. Oh, yes. So True. I saw the Broadway version. Of Hamlet? <laughs> <laughs> the Lion King. <laughs> you did? Yeah. Uh, good? I loved it. It was oh, an yeah. amazing stage play. It Everyone really says cool. how amazing. It was great. It. Mm-hmm. Interactive. They came into yeah. the audience. It was just like, visually, it was great. All of it. So, and uh, coming out on DVD and Blu-ray is uh, Searching, was actually the only one coming out. So I think everyone's kind of gearing up for the holiday releases. Holiday. They're going yeah, to kind of backload everything there, yeah. too, on, uh, on video. But now, this is a movie that wasn't out for very long that I really wanted to see, but you, you managed to see it. It was really interesting. Mm-hmm. They did a very interesting um, take on sort of how do you tell a story... Through a computer screen. Through a computer screen. Mm-hmm. 
and it was really it was really interesting. It was mm-hmm. it was a cool it was like a low budget movie they right. made in a short amount of time, and mm-hmm. it was pretty pretty interesting. Oh, cool! So check that out. Had some like car thriller elements to it, didn't yep. it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, okay, and the um, site spotlight and the fan feedback. Now, guys, I don't know if you knew this. We did do a uh, um, a Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale, but we uh, did it a little late, so we didn't have a chance to announce it on the podcast because we took uh, last week off and pre-recorded. But since you guys may have missed it, we are extending it to December 15. Uh, 20% off anything in the store, including my new graphic novel, um, Graham's Make Gotham Great Again t-shirts and uh, earbuds. Everything there is 20% off. All you got to do for Cyber Monday is use the uh, code Skynet, and that will be good until December 15th. Yes. What will we say, guys? Great way to support the uh, everything we're doing is to spend $20 with us once a year. So do your Christmas shopping with us as opposed to Amazon, which uh, doesn't like unions. Yes. Now, if you do decide to do Amazon, uh, please use our affiliate link <laughs> <laughs> on our website because then we'll get a little taste of that. And you could even make that your link so you don't even have to think about it next time you go to Amazon. There you go. And uh, use our link uh, because that actually um, we do get a little taste from them every month. Sure. That. Uh, uh, and uh, also, uh, Charlene is busy moderating the message boards. It's still a little light hey, over there, Charlene. but uh, definitely uh, come check it out and uh, um, let us know your opinion. We'd like to get that back up and running, and uh, we're interested in what you guys have to say. Um, all right. Um, coming up this week, if Beale Street could talk, what's this? This something is, about Memphis. Is um, this is a let's let's pull it up. I don't remember actually. Nice. It's a um, it has something to do with race. <laughs> I oh I remember now. It's the uh, the director of Moonlighting. Moonlight, not Moonlighting, oh, not yeah. Moonlight, not Moonlighting. That's a different show. Uh, Moonlight. Bruce Willis uh, could yes yeah <laughs> do it though. And what's the uh, Barry Lachlan? Jenkins? It's mm-hmm. based on a James Baldwin novel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, wow, this is cool. Yeah, Barry Jenkins who. He did uh, Moonlight. He's done a lot of it. Let's let's bring up his. Um, he did Moonlight, and then he did a bunch of shorts. He did, and but mm-hmm. his other feature was Medicine for Melancholy. Right. Um, and he's directing uh, eleven episodes in pre-production of the Underground Railroad. So Beale Street mm-hmm. could talk. Yes, and uh, click on it and see. I don't remember the uh, the premise of the film. So the premise of the movie is a woman in Harlem desperately scrambles to prove her fiancé innocent of a crime while carrying their first child. Right. And it's with uh, Kiki Lane, Stephen James, and Regina King. I saw the trailer for this, actually, now that I remember. This looks mm-hmm. really interesting. Okay, cool. And again, it's based on a James Baldwin book, so it's, right. it's really... Um, I'm down. I'm sure it's yeah. intense, mm-hmm. for sure. And, I mean, Moonlight was a great movie, so Barry mm-hmm. Jenkins is a really good director. And now, you know, when you have the the buzz that Moonlight had, you know, you can kind of pick your projects. Yeah. So you can tell this is the movie he wanted to make. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, I'm sure it was this one, a horror movie and a romantic comedy, mm-hmm. you know, that the, the studios are offering. <laughs> like, uh, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to do this one. Yep. It's like, you know, you when you have that clout, because it doesn't always last, use it. Use make it. Make the movie that you want to make. Make great films. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, and in the apocalypse, great counter-programming. Uh, this is a um, holiday zombie, zombie movie. Holiday <laughs> zombie musical. 
that uh, looks fantastic. Yeah. I can't wait to see this movie. Right up my alley. So, yes. <laughs> Hashtag not my torture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like musicals, you like zombies, you like holiday movies. What, we love it. Yeah. We yeah. love an what, apocalyptic holiday. Exactly. So. I feel like every year the holidays are a little apocalyptic. Yes. You know, every year we get closer. That is true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My favorite holiday is January 1st because I wake up and I go, all this bullshit's over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now let's open the new box of bullshit. Yeah. Let's start some <laughs> new bullshit. Hashtag not my Not my torture. <laughs> So, um, and then the apocalypse, check it out. We definitely will be going to see that. For yeah, sure. I want to see yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I want to see both these movies. Yep. Now we're getting into the time when all the Oscar movies start getting. So it's like I got to see two, yeah. three movies a week. And some of them too, they have weird release schedules. Like, uh, like if Beale Street could talk is probably in limited release, yeah. and then it'll like release wider. And then some of them do that weird thing of like it'll be out as a qualifying run for like a week. And then it'll disappear, and then it'll show up again like in January or right. February because they want to get it in right under the wire for the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes, but it does the movies a disservice too. Like if the movie's getting buzzed and doing well, just let it play. Let you know, it let it play. let it finish out December. You know, why let do, why the do, kids do, play? Yeah, yeah. Like the bad you know, news bears. Should like, get uh, in the movie business. Yeah, <laughs> we really should. Yeah, we should. We should run a company. We should. <laughs> yeah. We should talk more about movies. <laughs> so, um, all right, that is our show. Thanks for having me, you guys. Thank you. Absolutely. It's fun. Who dropped out? (laughs) (laughs) Um, To be fair, no one dropped out. Someone moved. (laughs) Someone moved? Yeah. yeah. To another week or out of the country? (laughs) There's a couple of asylum people. Actually, both. Yeah, yeah. Mark uh, Guggenheim, uh, he's shooting a show in Prague. He had to leave for Prague today. Oh, wow. So he'll be back in a couple weeks. Okay. (laughs) Whatever. I look Mm. forward to him. Yeah. <laughs> Where can people find you? But did he see Instant Family? No, I think not. He did not. I am at my other podcast for Crying Out Loud. Mm-hmm. Also, I have a podcast called Sword and Scale Rewind, where I talk, do an, it's an after show to the true crime show, Sword and Scale. And then starting in January, I do Rose Pricks, which is um, myself and Ronnie Karam, and we make fun of The Bachelor. Nice. Every week. So that, that's a hefty schedule. That's three podcasts. I do three podcasts. Yeah. I'm on hiatus, though, from The Bachelor. Mm, that's okay. how how come I can come in here? Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. You always well, got to get you on a Bachelor hiatus. Well, for crying yes. out loud, how many episodes do you do a week? You do two? Two, yeah. Mm-hmm. But we record only one day. Oh, okay. We do okay. two episodes and a bonus Patreon episode. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's where we talk about stuff that we can't talk about on the regular show. Nice. Name names. Good. You know, <laughs> so, so go to your Patreon if they want to get the real. You want to get the real. Scoop. Yeah, it's five dollars a month. They can get the bonus. There's like an extra twenty minutes. It, but I'm not trying to get anybody to sign up unless they already like the show. Okay. Because why are you going to care? Right. You're, you're not going to be like, I want e- more content for mm. the content I already don't like. <laughs> I'm trying to sell it. Sense. Hashtag not my torture. Great, not yeah. my torture. It's <laughs> a great not my torture mm-hmm. pitch. <laughs> All right, that's it. Yeah, guys, mm-hmm. um, uh, doing progressive comedy tour with Ron Placone, a bunch of dates in 2019, um, and also a new uh, Stay in Your Lane comedy show at the at the Corbin Bowl in beautiful Tarzana, mm-hmm. California. Nice. Uh, that's December 22nd, so go to GrahamElwood.com. Right before Christmas. Right before Christmas. Mm-hmm. So go bowl and, and laugh. I go. live near there, so I'll come. Yes. You want to do some skits? Are you still doing the stand-up comedy? No. Okay. No. <laughs> All right. Well, Stephanie will be in the audience. Uh, but yeah, go so to- You can still get stuff signed. You can still yes. sign stuff, yes. right? Yeah. Hashtag not I'll just work torture. the crowd. 
Off stage. Yeah. Off stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like one of those guys that sells roses at a yeah. nightclub. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's what yeah. I'll do. That's what you'll do. So go to grandmelwood.com for all my tour dates. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to say the Longo and Faraway Kickstarter is now officially done. All the rewards have shipped. Um, you know, the artist lives in Chile. Uh-huh. So he sent me all of the uh, the specific rewards, like, you know, to here. And then one of them had to actually ship to Chile. So there's an 11 by 14 piece of art that got a tour of North and South America Good. unnecessarily. Good. Well, Chris so, uh, gave me a copy of the book, and it looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's a cool gorgeous. I read it. I read yeah. it. It's, yeah. it's oh, a cool. lot of fun. It looks cool. The art is really cool. It's a, it's a super fun book. I loved it. Oh, thank you. Do and, you think uh, my 11-year-old son will like this, too? It's like a PG-13-ish. So uh, there's like it's a little one, dark. Uh, no, just a couple. There's sexy. It, just one one scene. That's it. Boobs. But uh, no <laughs> boobs. <laughs> but okay. uh, kind of on the on the border, you could. Okay. You could kind of just like the head of a yeah. guy's dick or something. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, you could tear a, that one page out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah. It's um, so um, yeah. So if you haven't gotten a reward yet, that means you either no, never filled out a survey or you moved. So email me at uh, info at comedyfilmnerds dot com and or we'll, you're uh, a bad we'll person. You. Yeah. <laughs> and guys, just remember trying to find the dirty part. Here. If you yeah. want, if you want your orders to arrive by Christmas, make sure you order from us no later than the nineteenth because mm-hmm. the twentieth is the last day we can ship to where it'll get to your place by the twenty fourth. So. So yeah, keep that in mind for order holiday your holiday business early. Mm-hmm. Use the coupon code Skynet, save twenty percent, and uh, everything, everything in the store, everything in the store. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, that's our episode. Thank that you, is. Stephanie Wilder Taylor. Episode four forty three, amazing. Halfway to eight eighty six. Uh, we're really excited. Thank you, Aaron Brungard <laughs> on the ones and twos. My name is Graham Melwood, and I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot first. first.